You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to weareredwood.org. We hope that the message that you're about to hear will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. Mark chapter number six. We've been in our series that has been entitled Jesus, uh, simply just titled Jesus from the book of Mark, and uh, we have been just kind of plodding away uh, through this book. I will be uh, fully aware of the time uh, here this morning and not take advantage. But I know you didn't come just to get out, right? Ooh, that was kind of weak. Amen, we can go. No, just kidding, right? You, you, you came to worship, right? You came to hear from the Word. And so uh, let's kind of just, uh, just yield to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. This is a very familiar passage, or in other words, most likely, if you've been in church in any length of time, you've at least heard the story of the feeding of the 5,000. So let's begin reading in verse number 30. I will preach down through verse 44, but I won't read all those verses this morning. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while for... There were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he had come out, came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. This morning I want to preach a message entitled, Not What You Expected. Not What You Expected. Let's ask the Lord one more time to really bless this time. Father, we come before you and we're thankful for, uh, Lord, just the privilege to welcome the Newman family into our church. And Lord, we're just super excited about uh, baptism here in a few minutes and uh, just what you're doing in these ministries and these ways that we can impact lives uh, around us and to just show the love of Christ. And uh, Lord, I just pray that as we now get into the word, I pray that we would, as so often is a danger, to remove ourselves from the text, to stand afar off, and to just be casual observers, to just be consumers of Sundays, rather than seeing ourselves as part of the day. And Lord, I pray that we'd be active listeners. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through uh, the words that you've laid upon my heart to uh, pen this week. And ultimately, God, we want to rest in your scriptures. We want to rest in your teaching. And Lord, what you desire for us to learn. And Lord, I submit to you this morning to take anything out of these notes that you do not want me to see and say. And God, I will uh, gladly, Lord, allow you to do what you would like. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I had such a situation that I had not expected in my life. It was in when I was still in college, and I was halfway, or I was between my freshman year and my sophomore year. It was one of those times when I was actively pursuing my uh, wife of 16 years. Did I get that right? 16 years? Go, All right, get some brownie points there. But at the time, I was actively uh, pursuing her, and it was between, uh, between um, years. And we had gone to a college retreat. And uh, I was 
in my souped-up, nice, you know, fancy car, and I was getting ready. We were just going to uh, the grocery store. I'd grown up going to Yosemite, and so I knew exactly where all the grocery stores were, and so uh, we needed some breakfast food, and so I got in my car uh, to get some breakfast food, and I was with one of my friends in school. His name was uh, Justin Cox, and we began to kind of head out to Oakhurst, which is kind of the, uh, the, the southern entrance portion of, of Yosemite Valley there, and uh, for whatever reason, um, our, my, my car just uh, didn't quite turn the way that it was supposed to turn. I promise you I wasn't racing. I, I, I give you my word. I was not doing that. Uh, I, I was a street racer at the time, but I promise you I wasn't doing any of that. Uh, we were just really behaving ourselves. And uh, my right front tire kind of got on a little bit of gravel, had been on the road, and my car wasn't really set up for something like that. And so it kind of set us into a spin off the side of the road and down the side of a mountain. The only thing that caught us was uh, our car. My car hit the tree uh, behind us. My seat broke, and I flew into the back seat. The only thing that kept me from going out the back window, some of you heard this story in far more details, was my lap bar had kind of caught me along the knee here and kept me just in the back seat from kind of going all the way out and down the hill. And so obviously that's not what I expected. I expected to go to a grocery store, I expected to come home or, you know, back to the resort that we were at for our retreat. And everyone else was expecting to no doubt see me in the morning. And then we realized that we had to climb up the hill. Literally on our hands and knees. It was so steep. And my lights were shining up in the trees. And we were wondering, is anyone ever going to, is anyone going to stop for us? And then lo and behold, we see someone way up on the top of the road there, and they're asking, is everybody okay? And it's a crazy thing. We both walked away without a scratch on us, not even a drop of blood, until the next day when I put my hands in my coat pocket, and there was a little prick of glass on my finger, and that was the only blood. Walked away without anything. But we were wondering, is anyone, is anyone going to find us? And they saw, like, kind of dust and smoke up in the trees, and our light shining, and they stopped, and, you know, and they, and they saved us. And so it was, it was not what I expected. I thought I was going to just go on a routine, you know, kind of grocery shopping and make it back to our resort. And the passage that we're going to read and work our way through here in Mark chapter number six really is a you do not know what is going to happen next in this kind of passage. It is a familiar story and it is the story of feeding the 5000. But Mark tells it in a very different way than the way John tells it. Often when you hear a lesson or you hear a message on the feeding of the 5,000, often it is from John's perspective. But John, the whole time he's moving through this story, uh, he is kind of revealing himself as, uh, revealing Jesus as the bread of life. We see in John 6 verse 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. And he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never hurt, thirst. And so he goes and he's feeding these 5,000. But then he ends this story, John does, with Jesus' words in verse 53. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. And, the real, and, and it really moves towards this crowd misunderstanding of who Jesus was. And the response of the crowd is very important to John's telling of the story. But Mark, he tells it in a different way. The focus is really on the disciples, and it is set up with this ministry trip. 
it was this trip that began in chapter number six, where for the first time, Jesus was commissioning these 12 disciples. They had only been witnesses. They had only been seeing with their eyes what Jesus was doing. They were seeing the, uh, the, the lame walk again and the blind see, and they were seeing all these amazing miracles. And now, at the beginning of this chapter, Jesus sends them out. He says, hey, I've given you authority. And so now they've gone on this journey and they've kind of been ministering to people around them and they come back and they're giving a report of everything that has gone on. And we, we see that in verse number 30. And the apostle gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and what? Rest a while. Now, you may think you know what is going to happen next. Jesus is going to take his disciples away. These guys are exhausted from their, from their trip of teaching and healing and all of those different types of things. I mean, this is, this is a big deal. Our first ministry trip, we're kind, of, we're kind of going on a sabbatical. Jesus has taken us away kind of on a vacation with shorts and flip-flops and a Hawaiian shirt. Hey, I wore this for a reason. I'll get to it here in a moment. But another reason why I wore this Hawaiian shirt is this is my revolt that school starts. You're just lucky I didn't wear flip-flops today. But they're going away with Jesus. Hey, let's, let's get a little bit of rest. You think if you had not read this passage before or if you didn't know, if I didn't let the cat out of the bag that this is the feeding of the 5,000, you would think that they were going to go to a desert place. It was going to be desolate like it had been predicted, and they were going to get some rest. But look at what happens next. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and, went, and, and, and outwent them, and came together unto him. Now I need to say something about the nature of ministering to people. Sin makes us self-focused. Sin makes us always oriented to our wants, our needs, our feelings. You wake up for the day and you, you've kind of sort of filled up what you would like to accomplish in that day. But the call of the kingdom of God is to be motivated by a greater purpose. So no longer is my life only ruled by my wants. No longer is it only ruled, and we've, we've been speaking about this so much in the book of Mark, about my needs and my feelings. I have been called according to this gospel that Jesus is preaching to be a part of what God is doing on earth. And there is no such thing as ministry without sacrifice. Ministering to others always demands sacrifice. If you and I are going to minister to someone else, it's going to take us out of our comfort zone. It's going to take us out of our bounds of our own wisdom and our own strength. And that is exactly where the disciples are in this moment. And it says here that there is... There's such great demands on Jesus and the disciples that they do not even have time to eat. Ministering to people 
it's hard to schedule. It's hard to keep in comfortable boundaries. And again, it's going to take you out of the place, out of that place into a place of sacrifice. It is normally my custom on Saturday to kind of prepare my whatever I'm going to wear on Sunday because I don't want to have to even worry about that on Sunday morning. I want to iron anything. And so I asked Sarah if she would, if she would iron this shirt this morning for me. And I had a reason for it. Number one, I'm revolting against summer being over. Okay, that's definitely number one. I love attention. That's number two. I'm just kidding. First thing, Mike, when he saw me early this morning, he's like, Hawaiian shirt, huh? I mean, that's the first thing he said. Not quite. He did say good morning. But, um, you know, and so, but this past summer, we had the privilege, my, uh, my parents, they took my family to Hawaii. And we were kind of getting some downtime uh, with, uh, with our family, just enjoying some some rest, some relaxation. I think those things are absolutely important. And a family in our church that we, that, that we love so dearly, they, they sent us a text, and we were able to kind of minister during a very difficult time. We kind of stopped what we were doing, and we were able to kind of minister via through just communication with them and in other different outlets. And, and by the way, I'm not trying to set myself up as some hero. There's a lot of times when we get a little inconvenience sometimes. It's like, oh, I don't want to do anything. So please, I'm not the hero. But I'm just trying to say, listen, you can't always schedule it. You can't always say, hey, hey, this is, this is my time. You're not, you're, not allowed to, you're not allowed to creep into my day off. You're not allowed to creep into my time with my spouse and my time with my kids. Listen, ministering to people, it's hard to schedule. And yet when Jesus and the disciples get to the other side of the water, there's not a desolate place there. It's, it's filled with people. And you, so you see, I mean, I want you to notice what, what, what you would, might think Jesus would do next. You might think that Jesus would say, hey, hey, no, 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 no. I've been ministering to you. I've been giving of myself to you. You, oh, oh, We've been going through Mark. The crowds have been so big that it's like I've been, I'm almost crushed. I, I've, I've been doing this. This is, this is our time now. Hey, this is important for the disciples and I to get away and to get some rest and relaxation. And this is my time with my disciples. But that's not what Jesus does. And I believe it's important for you and I to be honest about this passage. I think it's important that you and I to ask these types of questions. It's okay. Lean in on the scripture. It can handle your questions. Like, what about the rest? What about what seemed to be a promise of Jesus that he was going to provide for these weary men who had been so burdened by ministry? Where's the rest? Now, I want you to be honest this morning. Is there ever a moment in your life where you wonder, where are the promises of God to you? Do you ever wonder, where is the peace? Where is the comfort? Where is the strength, the wisdom? Where are the things that God has promised to provide for me? 
And may I be so bold as to ask you this morning, are there places right now, right now in your life, where at least you are tempted to doubt His presence and His care for you? Listen, don't be passive. Don't just be a consumer this morning. Be a part of it. Honestly, ask yourself these questions. Allow the text. It's radical. Mark's way of telling it is totally different than John's. I'm tempted to preach John's next week. It's like totally different. I would propose to you that in this moment, Jesus is about to provide a deeper and fuller rest than just the physical rest that the disciples thought they were going to get. Now, by the way, Jesus has not forgotten about his disciples. Jesus is simply about to display something to the disciples that is meant for a far lasting change in their life. And next week we'll learn that they didn't quite get it and nor do we always get it. Jesus is about to display the compassion of His grace. Jesus is about to display what, what, what He will in grace do for all those that love Him and that are following Him. It's His power on display. And that is all meant to give these men who have now given their lives to follow Christ this remarkable rest because they're going to get a metaphor of the kind of provision that Christ is willing to make for all those that will follow Him. And so Jesus, in our text, does not send the crowd away. Because when Jesus looks at the crowd, he does, not, he does not see an obstacle. He does not see an interruption. He does not, he does not see a hassle. He sees an opportunity for grace. He sees sheep that are without a shepherd. It says in verse number 34, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. And be he begun to teach them many things. Now, please hear me. Please. I know it's, I know it's kind of getting warm in here. But just listen. Just please hear me. If your eyes ever see or if your ears ever hear of the weakness, of the sin, and the failure of another person, it's never an interruption. It's never an inconvenience. It's never an obstacle. It must never be viewed as a hassle. If someone else is struggling with something, listen, it's, it's, it's never a hassle. If someone, is, if someone is broken over something, if someone is grieving over something, if someone is just, their life is coming crashing down on them, listen, and you ever hear of it, or you ever see it, listen, that is grace for them that you see it, and it is grace for you. That you, in those moments, can minister. You must, and I must, view this as grace. If you're a husband and wife, and it's early in the morning, and let's say you're the husband, and your wife wants to have a serious talk with you, how do you respond to that? How do you respond to that moment of need? Or if you're a parent, oh, hello, come on, hey, stick with me. If you're a parent, and you have one of those, you know, kind of late night difficulties with your children, how do you respond, Ryan, ouch, to their moment of need? Go back to bed. I want to go to sleep, right? Am I the only one that does that? I know you all are perfect, but man, I need this. How do I respond to the need in the life of my children at that time? How if you planned a day of relaxation? or a week of relaxation, and one of your brothers or sisters in Christ calls you with a difficulty, 
How do you respond to that moment of need? Again, I do not desire to set myself up as the hero because there are many times where I'm like, is it okay if I'm honest with you? Are you okay with that? I know you all want something perfect. It's not going to happen. Only Christ is. He's our hero. That's why we preach about him every week. What a beautiful picture in Mark chapter 6 of the compassion of the Savior. He cannot look at these people and see them as an interruption. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd, and they need teaching. And so he begins to teach. Now, I want to shift your mind and your thought process to think about what's going through the mind of the disciples at this moment. Perhaps the disciples are not too excited about seeing this crowd. As a matter of fact, you can kind of you, you, you kind of get a hint that they weren't too excited about it later in this text. Perhaps they do see this group as an irritation and, and, and certainly not an opportunity to serve. Perhaps they're wondering, where's the rest? Hey, 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 this was, this was promised to us, but we, we were supposed to get some rest. And as Jesus teaches the disciples, they, they see an opportunity. Ah, but it's not necessarily an opportunity for ministry. Because I want you to see what happens next in our text. Verse 35, and when the day was now far spent, what has Jesus been doing? He's been teaching. Hey, these are sheep without a shepherd, so he's teaching. And when the day was now far spent, the disciples came unto him and said, this is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. The disciples, they, they see an opportunity. They see a very logical reason to get rid of the crowd. You can kind of see the disciples coming up to Jesus. Hey, 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 Jesus, we love you. You've, you've been ministering all day long. It's hot out here in the desert. And hey, when you look around, all these people are hungry. There's nowhere to get food. It's not like there's a Taco Bell right down the street. Hey, Opportunity. Let's send them away so I can go on vacation. I mean, that is logical, right? Absolutely. Logical way of thinking. And so Jesus said, he's like, all right, feed them. If this is, if this is their big need, then I want, you to, I want you to give them something to eat. We see that in verse 37. He answered and said unto them, give ye them to eat. So imagine what's going on again in the disciples' minds. Not only have they not been provided rest that they were supposed to get, now they've been given this extra load, this extra burden. Hey, you saw that they have a need? You saw it with your eyes, right? Go feed them. What's going on? And the disciples, they've got a super predictable answer. It's totally the answer that I'd give. Verse 37, And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? Here's what you need to understand. Here's what they're saying. They're saying, Jesus, we've got to spend an entire full day's worth of wages. And then if you look at John's perspective, you, you, you learn very early on that it was a massive group that was there. And it's like, they're, they're just like in, 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 our, in our vernacular today. Jesus, we can't feed all these people. Even if we took an entire day's wage, there is not enough money to feed the amount of people that are here. 
And Jesus says in verse number 38, and he saith unto them, how many loaves have ye? I love what Mark says to us here. Go and see. What an irrational thing to ask. There are thousands of people there. I'm supposed to be on a hammock right now with iced tea and flip-flops on. Right? They, they got that stuff down in like Palm Springs. That's the desert, right? They got like the four seasons and that kind of thing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And now you got us ministering to these people. And now you've got me trying to feed them and figuring out how much food we've got. And of course, you go to John's passage and John gives us a little bit more detail. And you learn that there's this little guy who's got a five loaves and two fishes. Verse 38, and he said to them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they knew, they say five and two fishes. And John, Jesus, he doesn't get upset. What does he do? He makes all the people sit down in groups of ten or groups of fifties and groups of hundreds, and he takes those five, um, the, 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 those five loaves and those two fishes. He gives thanks for them. He begins to break them, and if you study what that means, literally, he's recreating over and over and over again, taking these five loaves and these two fishes, and they're sending them out, and they're feeding thousands of people. And you know how many baskets they have left over? Twelve. That's for your hammock later. You get a whole basket full of more food than you could eat in a given day. And so the disciples, they're witnesses to a glorious metaphor of the gospel. Jesus is the compassionate Savior who exercises his power to make abundant provision. He meets the needs. His grace is sufficient. His love is abounding. Listen, you don't have to be afraid. No matter how burdened you are, no matter how weary you are in ministering to others, no matter what you are facing the next day, no matter how confused you are about life, you are, if you are a believer, you are the sons and daughters of a powerful and compassionate Redeemer. He meets needs. He has the control of all of creation. He has the power beyond your understanding. He has love that you and I, Scripture says, can't even be comprehended. He has a deep and personal and specific compassion for you. Just what you need. Jesus was desiring for His disciples at this point not just physical rest, which they would get, but a deep abiding rest of heart. And so listen, what makes us weary is not the physical work. What makes us weary is the weariness of heart. What causes people to burn out is not so much the physical exhaustion. What causes people to burn out is the weariness and discouragement and the troubleness of heart. That is the rest that Jesus is seeking to give at this moment. As I look out before you this afternoon, you've listened well, I see people, don't take offense to this, I don't mean it in any offensive way, we're well fed. We're well clothed. Praise God for that, right? That'd be a disaster, wouldn't it? Well clothed. We somehow got here. 
We had the money to get here. This week, listen, this week, we're going to do stuff. We're going to have fun. We're going we're gonna to gonna be able to enjoy life. We're going to be able to do, listen, our needs are being met, my friend. Mike and I went to a lunch in this, a pastor's lunch in this week where we learned where there are millions of people across this globe that walk 6K or more just to get running water. And I get annoyed when I go into a bathroom and a, and a faucet is still dripping. It's in such abundance. And yet, Ryan, in my American Western way of thinking, I'm like, God, you can't meet my need. You want to know why? Because what we're often placing as need are radical wants. Radical wants. And yet you find in this passage that, that God gives us what we need. He gives this astounding display of his ability to provide. And listen to me. That is the true rest. You literally can wake up in the morning and you can work all day long. And you can realize that in Christ, you have the rest you need. Jesus is saying, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter what I call you to do, I am with you. I have the willingness I have the power. I have the abundant provisions for you. I will feed you beyond anything that you could imagine. This is a real way in a beautiful moment where the gospel is played out in this miracle. And here's the equation that you get. Nick, can you put the equation up? Divine power plus divine compassion equals everything that you need. Divine power, Jesus. Divine compassion, Jesus, equals everything you need. Jesus, my friend, is everything you need. Because here's why. If God were only holy, if God were only powerful, and if God were only sovereign, and he had no compassion, then you and I, we'd all be damned. No one would ever run to him. No one would ever, ever find hope in him. But his compassion, hear me, his compassion means that sovereignty is extended for your good. That the power that is released is for your provision that the holiness that God is leads him to sending us his son Jesus. Jesus' perfect life and record meant that God's holiness did not have to one time be compromised. That through the holy life of Christ, the justification and forgiveness and righteousness could be given. And on the cross of Jesus Christ, you see the holiness and you see the sovereignty, and you see the power combining, combining with the compassion, and that equals salvation. And that equals what you need. So what do you think, who do you think your Savior is? Do you rest in that? That all power, all sovereignty, is now combined with compassion and is working for you? 
Do you understand that the gospel means that his glorious power and sovereignty because of his compassion is now exercised to meet your needs? So what needs did you come into this room with this morning? Maybe you're here in this room and you're like one of the sheep without a shepherd. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I plead with you, run to this compassionate Savior. Confess your need for forgiveness from your sins. Christ died on the cross to pay for those sins and embrace the grace that can only be found in Christ. And maybe you're here and you're weary this morning. Do not run from your Savior. Run to Him. Maybe your heart lacks the deep rest that we're talking about. And maybe you're here this morning because your Savior wants to remind you again that He has committed Himself to you. Divine power plus divine compassion equals everything but it's not what you expected. We often think that it's a bank account, it's a car, it's a house, it's I don't want to eat at Taco Bell, I want to eat at Fleming's. Often, we think what we need is all the stuff that's actually just a benefit from Christ. And sometimes you get to eat at Fleming's. You say, well, not me. Okay, I get that. He's everything you need. Who is he to you? Is he small? Can't meet your needs? Or do you realize that sometimes God is where you don't expect him? You fed the hungry. You gave drink to the thirsty. And what does Jesus say? That's where I've been. And sometimes we want it all grand. Sometimes we want it all glorious. And sometimes, you know what God wants? Oh, man, Mike and I, we we, we heard this this week. Sometimes, you know what he wants us to do? He wants us to just get down and minister. When it's inconvenient. When it's like a hassle. And what you'll find is you begin to say, okay, God, whatever you want to do with this time, whatever you want to do with this day off or whatever the case is, if you want me to minister to others, I promise you, you will understand this rest in an amazing fashion. Because you'll find that that's actually where Jesus is. Wanting you to extend compassion, to extend grace. Don't shy away from it, but instead embrace that late night with your kids. Embrace that conversation with your spouse. Embrace that phone call or that text that says, hey, I need help. And then can I also challenge you to not only be the, not only to be the person that's always calling for help, You extend help. And you will understand the rest that Jesus is trying to say, hey, there's a beautiful metaphor of the gospel here. Divine power plus divine compassion. That is Jesus equals everything you need. Every head bowed, every eye closed.